Warning, the following podcast may contain language that some listeners may find offensive or confusing or intriguing. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the 3v3 podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. So we're having a riveting pre-show discussion, or chat, I should say. And it got me thinking, if NBC and NBC Sports had held on to the television rights for the NHL in the U.S., would they be making a night court reboot? But instead, I'm going to ask you this about U.S. television. Should the Buffalo Sabres be the replacement for the Chicago Blackhawks on every subsequent U.S. broadcast? Unequivocally, yes. Mm-hmm. I can go with that. What do they always say about Buffalo? Uh, they are always watching. And it's not just their own team, right? No, they, year after year, always have great local ratings in the playoffs. And as we know, uh, they haven't been in the playoffs for quite some time. They have, they have great ratings through the regular season across the board. Why aren't, mm-hmm. uh, and, and now they're fun. That's the key. Uh, the Blackhawks, when Who? they were... Um, I'm, ex- I'm sorry, the Chicago hockey team. Mm. Um, Better. When they were um, successful, I won't necessarily call them good, although they were they were somewhat entertaining. This Buffalo team is loads of fun, whether you have a rooting interest or not. Bon Martage. <laughs> it's a I mean, it goes... It goes beyond that, though. Oh, no, it totally does. But, I mean, when you've got a freak of nature, and let's call him what he is, absolutely hysterical freak of nature, nobody that big should be able to move and do things like the way he's doing them. you got to lean into it. And there was an initial bump for the Darlene for... Norris very early on in the season when he was on a very offensive hot streak, but my gosh, is he fun to watch? Well, he's still up there. I think still like second or third and defend scoring and is actually a defender. It's, it's crazy how that works. Defender. Huh? Huh? Someone who can play defense and score and provide offense. Mm-hmm. He he is currently sitting third in in the league for defensive scoring, forty four points in thirty six games. Josh Morrissey and Eric Carlson are both ahead of him, but they both have games in hand. Three for Morrissey and five, surprisingly, for Carlson. Well, they played in Europe. Ah, uh, that's right. So they got those early early yep. games. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that Carlson is caught. Well, he'll break down at some point. It's inevitable. (laughs) I think this is the longest he's gone without being injured in like three years. Or I was going to say his NHL teammates will all be traded. So it'll be even easier to defend him. They would never burn it down for Bedard. Mm-hmm. You, uh, who would they trade? Every contract on that team is a poison pill. You can't get rid of Carlson because nobody's going to eat that $11 million regardless of what he's doing. The Florida Panthers should be calling Mike Greer. Find a way to make it happen. Bobrovsky for Carlson is about the only way that it would happen. And would that not benefit both teams? You say benefit like there would be some good for both teams coming out of it. <laughs> I believe so, the term. Uh, I believe the term on their contracts is almost equivalent. So Florida Carlson take, is one year longer. One yeah. year longer. Okay. 
So Florida ends up taking on a million in extra salary for a guy they don't need to get rid of 10 million for a guy they don't want. This is the NHL. (laughs) Now, had this been (laughs) Douglas Wilson, probably, but as it is one Michael Greer, I highly doubt it. Because you know what? Neither one of those players has a Boston connection. Mike Greer is going Mike Greer is going to be the Kyle Dubas of of Boston. And not the Boston? I was gonna say the Kyle Dubas of Edmonton. <laughs> I mean Kyle I know he went to school there, but I feel like he no. spent more time in Edmonton than Boston. Well <clears throat> like personally, not as a just as an athlete. Right. No, I'm saying Kyle Dubas just gets people from the Sioux Greyhound because that's where he was GM. So he just picks up. That's the running joke, right? Did this person play at the Sioux? Yes. Then Kyle Dupes is going to trade for him. So Mike is going to do that for his Boston friends. So Jack Eichel for Eric Carlson and something. Is that what you're saying? Patrick couldn't pry Eichel out of Vegas's hands. For Carlson. But that's not going to stop Greer from trying, you know, the BU connection at all. Nothing's going to try. Nothing's going to stop him from trying the BU connection everywhere. So where's Evan Rodriguez playing these days? Colorado. Maybe that's the only trade he can make. So Timo Meyer. Nobody's poison pill. Poison pill contract. Poison pill contract. To sit at the table and talk to him about a contract, you have to be willing to sacrifice one year at $10 million for Timo Meyer. That's to sit at the oh, table. But nope. would a Poison team pill. actually be smart enough to let him walk? Like, you acquire him purely as a rental to fill a center need. Sure. Oh, hell, I, I could, think I'd, that I'd, could benefit me. Colorado. Oh, it certainly could. Now, here's the on the flip side, what are you going to get for a pure rental like that? Future considerations? You think San Jose is going to go down that path? I didn't. Well, that's why I brought up Evan Rodriguez. You got to look for the nepotism connection. Sure, but Mike. No, but realistically, no, I don't. No, I don't see a natural fit there. I don't see a fit anywhere for Timo Meyer. I see a fit for him as a player, but there is no trade that makes sense to anyone other than San Jose. If if somebody's going to bring him in as a pure rental, you're not giving up a ton of stuff for a pure rental, right? You're gonna you're gonna give up some B level mid round picks, and San Jose is gonna be like, but this guy's worth more. Yeah, but we're not gonna we're not gonna pay that because we're not keeping him because we can't afford to, and there's no way this is a gross. There's no way we're going to offer him a contract because this is a gross overpay. No. And is anyone gonna be willing to pay the price to have San Jose eat half that salary? They only eat half the salary for the remainder of this year. It doesn't matter. Now, it's it's the qualifying offer. It is the biggest poison pill I think I've ever seen in a contract. And this, inc- uh, and this includes this includes Martin Lapointe, who was the impetus for the whole, you know, he really was the impetus for the lockout. Let's not kid ourselves. Martin hmm. Lapointe's contract was just Oh my God, that was awful. Worse than Bobby Holik's. Yes, I said it. <laughs> now there is a, the only people that are interested in signing in in sitting down to talk contract with Timo Meyer are the people that have him. I'm not giving up anything worth worth value for a guy that I have no interest in signing long term because. I don't want to risk a one-year $10 million deal as a qualifying offer. 
I don't have room for. He's becoming a UFA. Potentially. Probably. I but the thing is, is I don't see San Jose not qualifying him. They need bodies, and if you don't call this, this is you know, Doug Wilson did a number on this team. If you don't qualify him, what message are you sending to the fans? That you're uh, financially savvy. <laughs> sure, but but San Jose, this is going. You know, if they are unable to bring him back in any capacity, they just got infinitely older and infinitely worse. True. This this almost puts them back to expansion era levels of rosterness. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, as we keep saying, you have to start somewhere. Well, that's cleaning what... cleaning house often means getting it dirty before it actually gets sorted out. Yeah. You can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs. And given how few GMs are actually willing to break a few eggs, where is there a fit for Timo Meyer outside of San Jose next year? Should he become a UFA? Europe? No. <laughs> no, he, he most certainly would have an NHL job. I Honestly, <clears throat> Chicago or St. Louis. Okay. If if he does if he ends up becoming a UFA and San Jose, you know, the 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 head on collision chicken competition with two diesel trains is San Jose not qualifying him and then turning around and signing him into UFA for a reasonable contract. Not understanding that the minute he's UFA, he is unrestricted and can go anywhere he wants. Does he want to stay in San Jose? I don't know. Wouldn't have to move his stuff. There is that aspect, you know. But at that point, can he also not say, I'm not taking, you know, any less than this from you guys. I was promised this. You failed to qualify. So now I'm going to now I'm going to hold a gun, you know, gun to your head and demand this because there are other teams that are going to overpay for me. He's young enough that he doesn't care about moving his stuff that much. No, that that is that was the worst gamble poison pill contract I've seen ever. AAV of six million is about it's good for him. AAV of ten million, oof. AAV is seven and a half to eight. Okay. You know, I consider it an overpay, but I can see it. He is, uh, no. Wow, that was an awful deal. Live in-game update. Welcome back to League, Nick Ehlers. I know this was your second game, but... From behind the net, beats uh, Colin Delia top shelf to give the Winnipeg Jets a 3-2 lead over the Vancouver Canucks, who I wanted to get to next. Oh, I was gonna. I was waiting for your live in-game update of Jason Robertson short-siding Sergey Bobrovsky to give Dallas a one-nothing lead over Florida. I think it's Bobrovsky. I didn't see who was starting. Given that well, it was short sighted, a weak goal, it probably was Bobrovsky. There lies in the problem, Patrick. That game is on NHL Network. Oh, wow. I wonder how I'm watching it. Oh, that's right. I've got NHL Network. <clears throat> <laughs> so do I. But funny, of, I'm not watching it. <laughs> my local providers don't offer mm-hmm. it without overpaying, overpaying worse than a Doug Wilson contract. Ooh, ah, that's just that should be the benchmark for everybody. So, all right, Timo oh, Meyer's contract's a poison pill. Yes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Does this justify the Blackhawks moving out Alex DeBrincat? Not necessarily for the price that they did, but moving out his contract. 
Not even close. And where is the difference between the two that you see? The Brinkett was far more reasonable at the qualifying level than Myers. All right, and to be clear, Debrinkat is at, uh, my internet is not moving fast enough. I believe it's at 9 million. Uh, yes, 9 million. Here's the rub, though. There's always a catch. There is. His contract, the qualifying offer at his contract is at nine, but they've, I believe his was signed under the new clause. Because there was a clause change one year, and I forget exactly when it was, um, that the calculation of the qualifying offer slides. Meaning... Because his base salary is greater than a million. Okay, so no, his is there. Okay, so his is at nine. Because they, they, there was, they changed something in the qualifying offer a few years ago that the base salary was not the gun to the head calculation for the qualifying offer. Because it used to be what a one point. Two factor. Right. Right. So, um, so his is at nine. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd take, it would be an overpay, but I think Ottawa would be crazy not to do it. He's good for 20, 30 goals a year. You know, and you can say the same thing about Meyer, but there's a big difference between 10 million and 9 million for production of 20 to 30 goals. <laughs> but you know, again, this is a situation where it's a, it's a more palatable. You know, there there's nothing saying that he has you know that he ha- that he's going to get paid 9 million, right? And so this is a discussion I have with people. Who say, oh, the qualifying offer isn't going to be a big deal. And I'm like, yes, it is. Because they have to be willing, they have to guarantee a one-year commitment at that price to even sit down to start talking about a different contract. Right? So you either get one one year at $9 million and do this again next year, depending on your age. Or you say, I'm going to pass on this one year at $9 million and take five years at eight and a half, or five years at eight from the same team. I see Ottawa doing that, and I think that's why he was traded, is because there was no way Chicago was going to sit down with him and say, okay, you know, we'll, we want to sign you long-term at this price, because I think then they knew that the writing was on the wall for where they were going to be. So sending him to Ottawa, fine. You know, they got what they could out of it. Senators got, what, two years, year and a half with him? You know, they get a year plus with him before they have to worry about it. it. It's... It's ugly, but it is nowhere near as bad as Myers. <laughs> Why do I just feel like Jim Rutherford would look to acquire Meyer right now? It's part of his shuffling of the decks, not necessarily cleaning house. I just have a sneaking suspicion. Vancouver seems like a team that needs to gamble on a player, even if it's that price. They've already got JT Miller. (laughs) (laughs) 
You know who they might not have? Bo Horvat? Live in-game update. <laughs> Bo Horvat settles uh, Rutherford's nerves a little, makes the game 4-3 Winnipeg at the moment. Hmm. Right after a goalie change. Mm-hmm. Because of course. Because of course. Now the other thing between the two of them is Debrinkat's what? Debrinkat's like a year and a half or two years younger. So yeah. So anyway, Debrinkat's currently he just turned twenty-five two or three weeks ago. Meyer is on the verge of turning 27. Yeah. He's somewhere in there. So, yeah. We'll turn 27 the start of next season. Meyer's put up good numbers. I'm not saying he hasn't, but he's not put up 10 million numbers. Not to say the Brinkat's put up 9 million, but in the world of, of NHL idiocy, nine's less than 10. And the numbers are pretty close to each other, so I'm going to take the guy that cost nine and is younger than over the guy that, you know, cost ten and is older. When does that supposed productivity, like, age cliff hit? We don't know. Depends on the player. I mean, I'm not Honestly, I think that curve is slightly going to, is already heading up again instead of you know 28 is probably the latest line of demarcation for for you know peak of your powers but i think the steep drop off is moving you know back closer to the mid 30s again given the current generation coming up Because I don't think I don't think Tage Thompson will be he's gonna be a bit of an enigma given the rate of production. But I don't think he's going to see a you know career solidifying moment later into his mid-20s. You know, we're not gonna have to wait and see players peak or or you know hit incredible Jason Robertson level numbers in their early 20s. I think there's going to be a little more time for guys to grow into things. Maybe not, you know, 40 plus 40 to 50 goal pace at age 25, but maybe you're hitting 50, 60 points at that point. Hmm. Needless to say, this is just a reminder that Connor McDavid is massively underpaid. I was just thinking the same damn thing. I knew you were. And I'll also throw in his running mate. Oh, eight eight times eight was an overpay at the time. No, it wasn't even close to (laughs) Oh, my God. The people that were saying that they overpaid for dry settled never watched hockey. (laughs) I swear to God, they never. So the Edmonton media, is that what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. I don't know what, you know, it sort of feels like the reverse of, of, you know, the people that have no clue what a gallon of milk costs, right? Is they have a fixed price on what a gallon of milk costs, and it's from the 90s or the mid-80s, you know, when salaries were crazy, but they're not also adjusting for inflation and blah, blah, blah. God, those people. They're overpaying for dry sidle. Not even a year later. Okay, our bad. <laughs> yeah. Idiots. They're the same people who ran Jordan Everly out of town. There, I said it. Again. How's Jordan doing these days? <sighs> How about them cracking, huh? Everly, Eberla, <laughs> Girelli. <laughs> God. I don't know how many people that see you tweet that out that know the two. <laughs> but it makes so much more sense when you hear the two. Like, I hear it in my head every time I read it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, 
as as bad as cheer as as stupid as Chiarelli's move was, Lamarilla leaving him exposed when he needed Barzell and Barzell needed him was just he did him dirty. He just flat out did him dirty. Did his own team dirty too. Because I was in a discussion with an Islanders fan a couple of weeks ago, and I said, you know, the one thing they're missing is a scoring winger like Jordan Eberle. And they said, Jordan Eberle is not a scoring winger. And I, I said, I didn't say goal-scoring winger. I said, scoring winger. Go look at his stats. Mm-hmm. Every team he's ever played on, every season he's played, he's been in top four and scoring on that team. Top four. Most of the time it's top three. He had one year where he was fourth. So, I'm, you know, if you throw out the high mark and throw out the low mark, He's second or third in scoring on his team. Every well, year. you know, for most like fan hockey fans, and let's be honest, a lot of general managers, goals are the only things that count. Which we all know is not true, but just kind of throwing that out there again. <laughs> Everly is currently second on the Kraken in points. Like I said, thirty-one and thirty-eight. Because he has a goal-scoring center. Maybe two, potentially, he can play with from time to time. Right. Right. He didn't have that in the island. Full stop. No, he had a goal-scoring winger. He had a playmate. Yes. Guy who wasn't a pure goal-scoring center, but who could score goals, and he isn't a pure goal-scoring winger, but he can score goals. The two of them together, you know, in in Voltron form, you know, and add Anders Lee or whomever else in front of there, there's your goal scorer. Yeah, and I was going to say, the center-wing connection usually works out better than the wing-wing pairing with right. Everly on the right, Lee on the left. But that was a productive line. By no means should anyone, including Islanders, say anything otherwise. No. And you see the fall off. You see the fall off in, in, in the Islanders' top line game. Eberly Barzell plays a high skilled, high pace game. Eberly plays a mid scale, mid pace game. Lee plays a get-in-front-of-the-net game. Mm -hmm. And that works because they give the puck to Barzell very high in the zone and just let him be a, like, buzz around the zone. And Everly gets open down low, feeds it in to Lee, who then scores. Exactly. Because if you look at the Islanders roster, it's Barzell. Brock Nelson, your one, two centers as your leading scorers. And then there's a bit of a drop off after Lee. Because mm-hmm. when Noah Dobson is fourth in your team in scoring, good for Dobson. God, he's looked good, though. <laughs> he, he really has. But Oh, man. And uh, I'll do credit to someone like Zach Parise, who might hit 20 goals scoring again. But there is a significant drop-off in one, two, and three in the Islanders and everyone else. Right. It, it, it reminds you of a certain other team, doesn't it? There's Dreisaitl, there's McDavid, and then there's the Grand Canyon, the distance between the Earth and the Moon, the distance between the Moon and the Sun, and then Nugent Hopkins. <laughs> Who is... 48 points in 41 games. He's played well this season. He's played very well. Hyman, who comes next, is he's been exactly what they needed. To maybe not what they should have gotten, but he's been exactly the came as advertised. Hmm. And then you hit that cliff. So they replaced Jordan Everly with Zach Hyman. Yes, who is just slightly younger and the same cost? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, um, speaking of the Kraken. No, 
No, no, no. I'm sorry. I, I, I got to just say this. I'm sorry, Kraken fans. Maddie Beignets was in a little bit of a slump. So I finally benched him on my fantasy team. You are right. Okay, so I, I said it a few, like a couple weeks ago. I said, oh, hey, look, a college player who's never played a full NHL season has hit the wall. Color me shocked. <laughs> right? Give him a week or so to adjust, and then, oh. There's no amount of training, no amount of preparation, no amount of talking to you, no amount of anything that will prepare you for an 82-game season. You have to do it. Well, that's not where I was going to go, but okay, we can talk about Maddie. No, no, we're good. We're good now. <laughs> no, please feel free to go where you like. Oh, well, um, I, I hear that, I hear that, um, that, what is it, London is in the uh, running, or is he on London? Is, is uh, what's the OHL, OHL situation currently for our, our beloved rookie who's been sent back to the O? Our beloved captaining gold medal winning world champion Canadian world junior championship medal winning team captain leader thing. That guy. Yeah. The, yeah. the, the captain who did all the other things because they just let Bedard score. So, yep. <clears throat> um, so one, Mr. Shane, Wright is once again a member of the Kingston Frontenacs who quickly pulling up the Ontario Hockey League standings as we speak. Um, let's just say, who would I compare them to? Hmm. Anaheim? <laughs> no. I might compare them with a Florida Panthers team. A 500 record, maybe not as good as that record, maybe not as bad as that record. We just oh, don't know. An enigma. Very much so. Wrapped in a paradox. And they are light years behind the two teams ahead of them in their division. And by virtue of that, they're, eh, let's just say they will probably make the playoffs. Coded in the caramel of uncertainty. I but it's like making the playoffs in the late <laughs> 80s, where 16 of 21 made. There are 20 OHL teams, 16 make the playoffs. You do the math. Guess what, folks? There was always going to be math. Stop saying otherwise. What? What? I'm sorry, Cassie, but it's true. That's just yeah. mean. <laughs> yeah, this this happens regularly within the um, the high school boy league because it's you know call it what it is. It's a bunch of high schoolers, effectively. Um, one team lands an all-star or some player steps out of the lead and that team, the rest of the team sucks. So the team with the all-star um, looks at the schedule and says, hey, we're going to be hosting the Memorial Cup in two or three years. So we're guaranteed to get a spot into the Memorial Cup. So let's go ahead and trade this all-star guy for a bunch of future stuff that's going to come to fruition when we host the when we get to host the Memorial Cup because we don't have to go through the whole playoff system or any of that crap we just get an automatic free bid so I think that's what Kingston is doing here where he's at currently is they're going okay we get the Memorial Cup in a couple of years um Seattle has requested us. Seattle should have requested us to trade their prodigy to someplace where he can go play competitive this year. We will abide. The dude abides because we're not going to make it this year. So let's load our cannon up for the year that we're going to get a free bid. 
I'm now picture, picturing a Lywicki in a bathrobe. Thank you, Patrick. You're welcome. Because <laughs> I think if there is anyone in the Kraken front office and ownership group that would be that way, it would be a Lywicki. Yes, yes, it would be. I agree. Ron Francis looked like he stepped off the deck of a crab boat. Lywicki looks like he's, you know, laying around in pajama pants, drinking hot toddies, and wearing his bathrobe. So there. Okay, so Kamloops has it in 23. And I don't believe the host for 24 has been announced yet. No, but Kingston is one of the four bidders. So, yes. Yeah, because it's it's the OHL's turn. Yes. Yep. So, you know. There you go. They're loading up for Bear for the 2024 Memorial Cup. Which means they're going to get a bunch of one player that they can use now and a bunch of, because, God damn it, I wish the NHL will allow you to do this. You know, draft picks like two, three, four years in the future. And, and thinking about that is just like the kid that they're drafting four years from now is 11 years old right now. Or 12. <laughs> That hurts my brain. I know it's silly, right? I just wish the NHL would be a little bit more open to 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 the olden days of what um, Pollock used, Sam Pollock used to do to teams. <laughs> oh, sure, we'll help you now, but we're gonna want your first round, first overall draft pick in five years. Okay, the team ends up being unbelievably horrible, and voila, here comes Guy Lafleur. <laughs> So currently, you can only trade three years out in the NHL. Right. That should probably be renegotiated, Players Association. Just saying. Because uh-huh. you, you, you can't tell me that the, and I'm going I'm to put up air quotes around the term brilliant, these brilliant GMs <laughs> wouldn't, wouldn't huck four-year first-round picks away for rentals. Of course got, they would. They'd be they'd be less valued chips to some. Hockey, foresight, people exactly. who don't actually like develop their their draft picks. Hmm, weird. But, but enough about Alexis Lafreniere. Um, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Are you are you saying that Maybe Gerard Gallant should have called his own Uber. Maybe should have called his own taxi. Because I am. I think he just literally could have stepped off the bench and raised his hand and there would have been five yellow cabs there waiting for him. It's New York, man. <laughs> well, now it'd be real easy for him. Right. Wouldn't have to call him. Except just... for that team started playing better lately. Except for... There is something in the water between there and Hartford about young forwards. Hatford. Hatford. Yeah, I keep forgetting Hartford's there. It's only like an hour drive away for me. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, there's that town over that way. <laughs> but like it's Hartford. It. I know. I know, there but there is, lies the... there is a PHF team there. Hartford and Connecticut's so pretty in the fall. Mm-hmm. Minnesota's got St. Paul. I was doing Yako's Capitals of the United States. One more season coming, by the way. Oh, okay. It will be the quote-unquote final season. Yeah, there is I'm, one more. I'm kind of fine with that, because to be honest with you, boy, <laughs> the sound of tires skidding as we veered off the highway on this one. <laughs> There's our exit. <laughs> Where? About 50 yards back. I got it. Um, I'm kind of fine with because without the 
cast of other characters, they're really having to stretch the pinky in the brain and the Animaniac stuff too far. They don't have Slappy Squirrel. They don't have Chicken Boo. You know, those were... They were filler, but they, they were good filler. It, it, exactly. It sort of reminds me, you know, you needed more skits in Saturday Night Live that were, you know, short but good to make sure that you weren't overextending bits in other skits. Right? Sometimes less is more. Mm-hmm. Literally, actually, if you're trying to fill a time slot. Exactly. Yep. And you know what? The good feathers just doesn't really work anymore. And I was thinking that too, you know, as far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a good feather. They, they could have updated. They could have found something, but it, it, it was perfect for its time. Katie, I mean, Katie Kaboom, you know, Katie Kaboom and the chicken boo crossover, you know, but I'll be honest. I, I really just sort of miss sloppy the most. Mm-hmm. Does your son have a problem? Yeah, me. In about two seconds, you're going to have the same problem. <laughs> One of my favorite lines ever. <laughs> um, okay. Yay, Canada. Congratulations. You get to hold off the intervention on goaltending. Yeah, boy. How how high has Millich's stock risen? Because we all know everything everything is related to just seven games, right? And an entire child's career, an entire young man's career should be based on these seven games. But it's Canada and it's hockey. So he's eligible. This is his last year eligible for the draft. Correct. Went undrafted twice. Also correct. What round? And by whom? I have a suspicion. Go for it. Fifth round by the Kraken. Oh, why would you say the Kraken? Does it have because... anything to do with where he plays in the WHL? Hmm. Um... Very little. Mm. Well, a portion. I won't. I won't assign a scale to that portion. They invited him to train with them, as well. Ah. He was one of the camp invitees. Mm-hmm. So then, why draft? Why why use a draft pick and just you know not sign him as a free agent? Because oh, because now everyone else knows about him. Exactly. Because Mm. the World Juniors put him on the radar of other teams. So, and of course, you know, by winning gold, he automatically becomes viable. Not, you know, not the fact that he actually played pretty damn well. Um, You're on a winning team, so you're a winner. So we want you on our team. You backstopped the Canadians to victory and you looked, you know, fantastic. You didn't get pulled. Um. You know, you were you were just as vital and important as Connor Bedard. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll they'll look at that uh, Slovakia game, and he was the reason that they made. You know, they ended up winning that Slovakia game. So, yes, now thirty-one other teams have gone. Oh, hey, we didn't know about this guy before because whatever, and now he's this way. Okay. So yes, I, I normally I would not disagree with you, Cassie. But no, normally I would disagree with you just because I'm a man. <laughs> um, well, you did just mansplain it to me, so it's yeah, okay. I, yeah, no, Cassie, that's not the way this works. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, actually. Well, actually. No, I just I think Pat's got it. There's he showed up on the big on the big stage over the big tournament over the big holiday. And he showed up big, so... Where no one really had to scout him or go out of their way to scout him because he was on TV and that was convenient for everybody. Well, no, they all had scouts there. Right. That's the, that's the other thing, right? Is there was probably a good 40 or 50 scouts sitting there, so... 
There he goes. You know, I, I, I think it would be a fifth, sixth round, maybe seventh round, depending type thing. We'll just see how he, you know, how he fares. And, you know, he could up, could end up being great. Could end up being, you know, what was Martin Brodeur's son was drafted last by the Devils as a courtesy pick. Yeah. Knowing he was. But he is a three ice legend. Right. <clears throat> that Jerry Brodeur. I really hope they bring that back for at least another year or two. It would be fun. Wouldn't it? Alternate. It would. It would be fun uh, to have that back. So Millage. I hate prefacing things I'm about to say, but to the listening audience, do not take this as an insult. Millage very much feels like Alex Nedeljkovich 2.0. Very talented player. In junior has the ability to put up really great numbers and elevate a perfectly okay, maybe mediocre CHL team. I know they are in first place this year. It reminds me a lot of kind of what, what I guess Niagara and was towards the end of Nikolkovich's OHL career, but does really well in the OHL, but will need a lot of AHL time just to adjust and adapt. He's going to be that goalie that goes through the E, the A, the E again, the A. Has to go up and down a little bit and will struggle in the NHL depending upon the team in front of him. You put a good solid defensive team in front of him, he'll put up good, solid numbers. You put the Detroit Red Wings defense in front of him, <laughs> and the players are going to struggle. Just because that defense isn't matured yet. So especially playing man-to-man defense. In your in your in our prime example of when you're hosting and you get a free in, you start, you know, buying in. Cam loops has traded a boatload of first-round draft picks to get Olin Zellweger, who's a defender, onto their team out of the Everett Silvertips. <sighs> because as they are hosting, guess what? They get a free in. Mm-hmm. So no qualifying tournament, no nothing. Has to go on there. They just need to make sure that the the rink is frozen and the seating is clean and they're good. Yep. Yep. Or they need to make sure they lose in the first round or win the WHL title. Those are the two paths to victory in the in the Memorial Cup as the host team. Anything in between just doesn't work. You either bottom out like I don't even remember who did it last year or two years ago. I'm not even sure those were real tournaments. <laughs> but COVID tournaments. Yeah. St. John did that last year in the Kumja. Mm-hmm. And someone else in recent history did that too, but. Yeah, Seattle, who I will remind you, sits absolutely dead mid-pack in the WHL Western Conference and 18th in the WHL, I think. Seattle? Currently? No, no, Everett. Did I say Seattle? Everett, I meant Everett. Everett. Yeah, you, you said, said Seattle. Seattle. I was about to say. Oh, my bad. No, my bad. Uh, Everett sits 13th. While Seattle's sitting, yeah. While Seattle's sitting atop the WHL, twenty-eight, five, one, and one. I know. That makes me so conflicted because you know I started watching hockey with WHL and it was it was the Tacoma Rockets and Seattle was the rival and and now the Tacoma Rockets have moved to Kelowna 
like years ago, and I shouldn't say just now. Um, and and so Seattle's technically the local team, and I should be happy that they're doing so well, but I am conflicted. Then I'm fine with that. <laughs> I know you're fine. But <laughs> you're an Everett fan, <laughs> nominally at least. I, yeah. Everett didn't exist until 20 years ago. No, I know. Well, we we could wish the town didn't exist until about 20 years ago. But. No, I know. I'm, so, I'm sorry. I know the city of Everett existed longer than that because <laughs> reasons that I will never get into it. Um, uh, so, kids, moral of the story is don't go walking in downtown Everett after uh, dark. Anyway, go on. Especially along Broadway. Um, <clears throat> so, hey, hey. Hey, <laughs> uh, where the hell was I going to go? I don't know where that was going to go. Oh, um, any of the Merrick versus Wyshynski listening audience who may be listening to this, if you are planning on attending next year's Winter Classic, please let me know in one way, shape, or form, because I am deciding on whether I want to host a small little MVSW party at the house or maybe coordinate something bigger near the park. Okay. Odds are I will not be going to the game unless someone gets me in somehow because I have no interest in... I don't need the experience. Let's just put it that way. As much as you know, as much fun as people have, that's on you. Go for it. Have a blast. Not for me. That's it. And the best way you can tell Patrick that you're interested in going is, you know, possibly naming a random penguin like Philip J. Kessel. This has been the 3B3 Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at 3B3 Podcast. We're available for NHL consulting at reasonable fees.